the people just like the dudes just like stare at her when she walks by but not in a creepy way just in like a oh my god kind of way and yeah i wonder sometimes like because you do seem like a model here if they're like oh like how nice for him that he could afford that (laughs) i'm like you have no idea (laughs) cost me my job my (laughs) My livelihood it's fine it's worth it it's good it's good (laughs) i like Bees, CBs live in colonies, buzzy MCs with a singer for emergencies. Cooperate to pollinate, never work alone. Just don't bring a honey home to the honeycomb. I feel like we need background music. The quiet seems too quiet. Or something. Rolling, rolling, rolling. How's your coffee? Not very good. What? That's bad. It's not Vietnamese. Yeah, coffee in Vietnam. Like, it took me a while to appreciate it because it was so different. The way and that so they, sweet. And it's, so sweet. Yeah. And so dairy. Small. And small. But once I stopped wishing it was something else and started appreciating it for what it was, I I get it. Yeah. Also, once I started adding hot water and making Vietcanos, that helped. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that Baxu is maybe the, like, the best coffee drink that I've ever seen. Yeah. Which is really saying something, you know, yeah. especially we've been exposed to Starbucks for like our whole lives, right? Yeah. So I'm definitely going to make those at least sometimes when we get home. I mean, I wonder if it would even work with like our regular espresso grounds or if we actually needed to like have Vietnamese grounds. Yeah, because their coffee really does have like a hint of caramel just in like the it's grounds. It's kind of like nutty and sweet already. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's funny when you travel around like Latin America, everywhere you go is like, oh, buy a bag of our coffee as you like fly back home. Like, oh, I got this authentic coffee from Costa Rica or Nicaragua or wherever. And it all just tastes the same as the coffee you buy in the grocery store. The coffee in Vietnam genuinely tasted different. Yeah. It's so funny because we were looking forward to going to Vietnam so much. And then when we got there and we traveled around, we were just so exhausted and we were like, ah, like this was pretty good it's it's not exactly what i expected not exactly what i was hoping for i just tried to do function minus volume and i realized i was trying to do that for you you were trying to turn down the speaker on my mouth (laughs) now that it's behind us i appreciate that it really was a special place like yeah i had to get out of vietnam and slow my pace down to appreciate it but yeah that's that's something that i feel really bad about is that while we were there i was just like oh i felt the exact same way but it was because we were moving around so much that we couldn't really like sit and enjoy ourselves and enjoy where we were that tells me that a month wasn't enough time which is crazy because that's a long time I mean, a month wasn't enough time for the entire country. It probably would have been enough time in a single place. That's like way more commitment and focus than we've given any city in any country. Well, no, okay, maybe not. <laughs> that would have been that would have been doing a disservice to the rest of the country, though. Like, yeah, it was very very interesting to go from like the tippy tippy north to the south. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. The cultural gradient is just, like, so crazy. Straight up, like, from 1955 Soviet era to 
2010 U.S. era, north to south. It's crazy. Yeah. But now we're in Cambodia. Now we're in Cambodia. How did we end up in Cambodia? What sequence of events brought it about that we chose Cambodia? Well, we were in Croatia, and I was looking for a beach island to spend my birthday on, and one of the cheapest that kept on coming up was Korong Sanolem, which is an island off of Cambodia's mm. mainland. Southwest, right? Yeah. Korong. Yeah. yeah. And there's Korong, and then there's Korong Sanolem, which is like the tiny little sister island, mm. which is very difficult to get to. Well, apparently, apparently it's very difficult to get to, but I don't think it's as difficult as, like, going to Colanta. Like, I think it's the same. That's okay. I like my islands like I like my psychological breakthroughs. Hard to get through? Very difficult to get to, yeah. Mm. But once you get there, boy. Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) everything that I looked at on that island, it was cheap for, like, a Maldives-type experience, not in the Maldives. And that's what the island offered, was like a very like high-class, five-star resort island Like houses on stilts? Yeah, exactly. And this like beautiful resort, but ultimately, like even if we were to spend like five days there for my birthday, which probably wouldn't even be worth the travel, because it was like a five-hour ferry trip, like you have to go from Sikanuville or something like that. There to Korong, and then from Korong to Korong Sambalan. I just saw it in the Lonely Planet book that's here in our room. It's one of the places that I wanted to go for my birthday. Like, what I wanted for my birthday was, like, a luxury, like, beach experience. And... And we ended up in Angkor Wat. And we ended up in Angkor Wat, yeah. So what ended up happening, I was like, okay, so we'll be in Vietnam, and then we're planning, we were originally planning on doing Christmas and New Year's possibly with Chris's family, so I was like, we'd be in Thailand for that, so the only country in between was Cambodia. It was just too expensive. It was like $200 a night for the cheapest. The cheapest was probably like 175 but that was like hostel life for a private room on like a resort or something like that. And the very inexpensive accommodations, like $20, $30 a night, was like, bring your own gear, we'll give you a tent on the beach. Bring your own straw mat. <laughs> slap, I was like, slap your own sand fleas. Yeah, and I was like, I have no gear. I need things, so... We'll give you a tent on the beach. Yeah. Like, are you really providing accommodations at that point, or are you just a tent rental company? Yeah. So that was out of the picture. I was very sad about that. But then I was like, you know what, we'll have to stay in Cambodia anyways. So let's just look at one of like the most amazing archaeological sites in the world. Because Angkor Wat is like a discovery of enormous proportions, archaeologically speaking. Sorry, I'm lost for a second. In Street Fighter 2, there's a Thai boxer guy. Um, the original Street Fighter 2 arcade game and his backdrop is like Anchor Wat or something. I can picture it, yeah. Similar to that. Yeah. I, I was trying to remember his name. Maybe Saget. 
and he was super badass. And that was like the first time I saw any of that like stone temple anything in the mm. world and like had a sense that something like that exists in the world. Yeah. And I remember being like, yeah, 10 years old and seeing that and being like, where's that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, here we are. Here we are. You know, it's funny how Street Fighter 2, like really tracing it back kind of like lit that spark of being like not only is there a whole world out there but those places that are out there are really different from what there is here like for Blanca's level it was like a village in Brazil it was in the jungle and there was like thatch roof houses and the people seemed so different being like is that what Brazil is like like of course it's not exactly but that's nothing like here and that's amazing that was really the first time that I ever had a sense that there's a world out there. It was Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Sorry. A bit of a we can, we can call this episode an ode to Street Fighter. It's funny because we covered Mortal Kombat in the last... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's all you have, then that's bound to have an influence on you. I kind of like that all of these like video games that were popularized in like the Americas were able to affect kids in a way where it was like international right in a way that kids never would have been able to see those things because when you were a kid you probably didn't see anything like this on tv right so maybe bruce lee movies but even then it was like usually like based in like america you really had to get into it and look deliberately to get to the original ones that were filmed in china right because mostly the mainstream ones you would find first right yeah that were like a Hollywood yeah. run. Um, and they were all in English. And you would have to like enjoy those and nerd out on them to go find the ones that were in Cantonese and then dubbed. And that was around the time that I read Bruce Lee's book, actually. Cool. But what I was going to say is, I think we've talked before about how like martial arts in Hollywood kind of kitchified Asian culture in a way that's not necessarily... Positive. Positive. Yeah. But thinking about it now, like, as a grown adult, you can be like, oh, that's not a fair representation. But as a child, if that's your first impression, it's something that's really cool and interesting. And it becomes the tip of the iceberg to want to explore more about the culture. Do you know what I mean? It, I mean, yes, which is great in a sense. However, a lot of that... I don't know, it's like when you're a kid and like you're all of a sudden like intrigued by this notion, usually the first place that you go isn't your parents to ask more questions about it, you know? It's usually like the Asian kid at your school. Just speaking from my own experience, it's kind of like a lot of people came up to me and was like, do you know how to do kung fu? It's like, I just watched this movie and it had like kung fu in it. Do you know how to do kung fu? What grade would this have been? How ignorant are these children? I don't know, probably like grade four. Okay, okay. I was thinking of high school. I was like, where are these children's parents? Why are they so stupid? No, I, I actually mean like kids. Okay. Like kids, kids. Yeah. Fair question from an eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you go like, no, I don't. And they're like, oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> kind of like snuffs out that flame for them. I don't know. You should have just been like, yeah, watch and kick him in the balls. <laughs> I just did it. Yeah, no. I was still a really good kid when I was really little. Did not know how to be as sassy as I am now. Eating bread and... Fuck, what's the quote? <laughs> Eating bread and dessert and getting all fat and sassy. Yeah, oh, man. That 
reminds me so much of my hillbilly roots. Getting all fat and sassy. Legitimately, I can hear those words coming out of my dad's mouth. Or my, <laughs> or my grandma or something. Yeah, such a hillbilly at heart. Anyways, alright. So, basically, that was the reason why Cambodia was that. It was the country in between <laughs> Vietnam and Thailand. And the thing that I really did want to do didn't meet our budget. So, I was like, you know what? I don't mind if we go to Siem Reap, look at some amazing archaeological sites for my birthday, just chill. We found a really beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous Airbnb in Siem Reap. Given that it's for my birthday, we were able to splurge a little bit. <laughs> I was saying, even if we were in Korong, Samoan, yeah. I bet it only would have been, you know, 100 a night. Yeah, I don't know. It's just my birthday's never been like a thing that I want to go all out on, you know? So why did you choose Angkor Wat? I mean, it's like one of the most amazing sites in the world and we, we're here. So why not do that? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. <laughs> it's not like one of those places where you go to Chiang Mai in Thailand and you go to visit the White Palace or whatever and everything's, you know, made out of stone and it's all white, which is really cool. But like, there's a lot of white palaces in Thailand Chiang Mai just happens to have the biggest one, you know, the most well-preserved. But I'm not too fussed that, like, we don't do that on our trip. But if we're already in Cambodia and we don't go to Angkor Wat, like, that's 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 kind of crazy to me. It's kind of, like, the biggest reason why people come here. Yeah. Except that it has this reputation for being cheap, uh, like Croatia did. And similarly, <laughs> it's complete bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> At least in Phnom Penh, where we are. I mean, it's cheap for Americans, but it's like it really, it's like everywhere else. It's, you know, you're, once you're in the tourist section, like it's probably like half price of what you would pay at home. Cause like we could go to a, a local food place in Vietnam and spend three bucks a person. Yeah, for like good soup. Yeah, oh. for like good food. I like tasted it when I said that. Good soup. Yeah. Mmm. <laughs> soup. Good soup. Look up how to actually say Phnom Penh. How do you pronounce this? How do Cambodians say Phnom Penh? Try to stack the P on top of the N sound. Phnom. Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh. Wow, we've been doing it wrong. Phnom Penh. Yeah. Yeah, Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh. But yeah, this reputation for cheapness in any event does remind me of Croatia in that once a place has a reputation for being cheap and then everybody goes there, it's just like, it's not cheap anymore. Supply and demand. Yesterday, we went to a series of ATMs and all we could take out was $100 US bills. (laughs) Only yeah. had like 100 USD denominations. Yeah. Do you know how much we were charged for that? $5 US. 5 US dollars. That was the same as the last time we went to an ATM. Yeah, except we got Cambodian Real and it charged us the same equivalent of a 5 US dollar. Yeah, $5 on 100 is 5%. That's crazy. It is crazy. And just another example of how the city's not really that cheap and also not really that 
convenient and like honestly not really that anything i gotta say like we were talking about yesterday it feels like we're in some sort of like traveler's underworld where does the bad guy in hercules live that's hades hades so hades you finally made it how are things in the underworld well they're just fine you know a little dark a little gloomy and as always hey full of dead people what are you gonna do it's like we're in some kind of like traveler's hades where it's like the inverse of the real world like we're in the upside down of traveling that's what it is it's like the upside down because it just looks like stark and like windblown and the and the people who end up I here i thought that that's what you were saying yesterday when you're like this feels like we're in a completely different world like everything's upside down and i was like oh in my head i was like oh like stranger things that's not what i was thinking then but it is like yeah that's actually true. We walked in this one area where shops were for rent, everything was boarded up, super dusty, like maybe one or two people just walking around. And whenever they would walk past you, they would just stare at you. So it's like you were in like, you know that scene in Inception where like all of a sudden their oh. subconscious like recognizes that you're not supposed to be there. And they and all they, just look at you. Yeah, that, that happens to yeah, us. Yeah, there's something about it here. It's like out of a fantasy book. It's like... If the Bermuda Triangle had an output somewhere that it collected all the shit that it swallowed up, it would be here, maybe. Yeah, the Bermuda Tourist Triangle. Yeah. And I think it's because of this, like, reputation for cheapness. And also, it feels like it exists outside of the rule of law a little bit. Like, it's got a little bit of, like, kind of Wild West energy. Yeah. And such a diverse shit mix of different kinds of travelers you got your gritty ones but also your strangely wealthy ones who just come here for a dirty time you know what i think is that when people see us i feel like they recognize that we're not traveling the way that other people travel you think so? Yeah. Like, if we do the things that travelers do, nobody pays attention. Like, when we went to go get your SIM card, or when we went to, like, a fancy restaurant, like, nobody really pays attention. But if we just, like, walk around, or, like, we're in neighborhoods where the locals are, like, it's all of a sudden, like, you're not supposed to be here. Places like where you're the tourists not, don't go. Yeah, you're, you're not traveling the way that people like you travel. And that's when, like, the weird stares come out and they're like, what are you doing here? Or, like, yesterday when we went to that big complex, like, massive residential and commercial developments on this island called... Diamond? No, it's, like, Bopik or something. Kopik? Yeah, Kopik. When we were walking around there and there were these massive buildings, but they were all empty and, like under renovation and dusty and there was nobody around and we're like walking around there and it was like a place that time forgot and it was like what are you doing here like this is not where the truth it was like peeking behind the set yeah you know like the truman show or something like seeing behind the props and being like yeah there's nothing back here it actually did kind of feel like that because that's the same place i was describing earlier yeah um, but those buildings really did feel like that. Like they were just like, okay, like we have a movie coming through. Like, let's just like polish everything up Yeah. and then just like throw in a bunch of extras to like walk through. But yesterday was like an off day on the set. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a weird vibe. And it does go back to, um, 
like inception as long as you do the things that are aligned with the dream then nobody notices you but once yeah. you do something that's like out of sync then people stop and start to like look yeah and like wait what and i think that we're not doing cambodia the way that somebody who has like a week and a half here does it right yeah like there's just, just like every country we've been to lots of countries have longer term folks though something about something about Phnom Penh seems different like people come here just to live lavishly the quality of life if you spent money as though you were at home would be crazy here yeah yeah like if you were making usd the way that you would make it at home and then you came here to spend it like you like you worked remotely here or something like that you'd be treated like a fucking god you'd feel like one i think that's what it is it's that this is not really a traveler city it's an expat city yeah, a so, lot of the people that we see at the bar downstairs, like, they're all, like, dressed up in, like, suits and stuff. They seem like they are making money from other countries yeah. and living here like kings. Yeah. I think that's what it is, actually. Like, not even blinking at how much things cost, you know? Well, I wouldn't either if I had a job. No, I know. Because, <laughs> like, you'd be like, this is, like, nothing compared to what I make hourly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you'd, you'd be able to get a meal for half the one hour's wage. And, like, a really good one, because, like, you and I went to that one super cool restaurant. Oh, yeah, that place was really good. Yeah, and it was really delicious. Except and your burger was only, like, six bucks, six USD. Except people here eat a lot of snails, and I just can't bring myself to do it. Every second dish on every menu is, like, something snails. River snails, yeah. <laughs> River snails. Of some sort. Of some sort, sort. yeah. I'm yeah. just like, I just cannot. They're like, this is the typical local food. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm going to be that basic tourist now, and I'm not going to order that. Sadly. The last description of the vibe I'll give is from the Stephen King book slash movie, The Langoliers. Have you seen that or heard of it? No. This airplane flies through a rift in time in the sky and lands in yesterday. And the people aren't there anymore because they've moved on to the today as it does. And eventually these like creatures come along and they eat up the entire world and the world is stale it's the best word i could use to describe the world is stale they open a can of coke and it just like nothing happens they they try to like light a lighter and there's like no spark right but then when they go back on the airplane Mm. and open the can of coke it fizzes and they they realize that they brought today with them to yesterday and eventually they narrowly escape back in the airplane as these like creatures are eating up literally the entire runway eating up the entire yesterday so that it like goes away and they escape back in the plane, back through the rift, and land in today again. But interesting movie. That sounds super cool. What a super cool concept. Yeah, that was back when Stephen King was still smoking weed. My boy got down. Oh. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's probably the eighties. Yeah, um, but still, that's that's a super cool concept because you're you're right. Like once yesterday passes, we have no. There is no existence of it. Like there is nothing. Like those monsters. Like could be real that they like just like swallow up the (laughs) entire world of yesterday because we there's no possible way for us to go back and check to see if it's there yeah it was a neat movie and a neat premise that's so cool and that's the energy i got yesterday when we were walking around that dusty ass like construction development that's the energy you got yesterday (laughs) 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 uh it's gone now um (laughs) That's that's kind of been my impression of Phnom Penh. It's like the whole city kind of feels like it's under development. It's not polished. The travelers who are here really 
seem to like be pretty put together like it's not gritty like the city is gritty but the people aren't which which just drives home the wealth disparity and the idea that the people who are coming here are coming here to blow serious cash um yeah and then i'm like well what do you need to come to cambodia for to blow that kind of cash like what can you get here that you can't get in other places which is kind of creepy yeah yeah just weird just just weird i feel like it's also kind of like Again, I don't want to, like, stigmatize any place, but we have heard that the sex tourism industry here is a little bit bigger, right? Mm. Yeah. It makes me feel weird whenever I walk around with you. I haven't gotten that feeling anywhere else. Really? Yeah. But here, whenever I walk around with you, it's like, I feel like I'm, like, a hired out woman in people's eyes. Uh, that's crossed my mind before too, where I'm like, do they see us as being a couple or do they see you as being like my escort? Cause Jess is really, uh, what's the right word? Like revered is a little strong, but like admired. Admired. Like, yeah. Really admired. Admired, here. admired is less than revered. Revered is like godlike. I don't, that's not me. <laughs> so aesthetically though, cause like Jess is tall and fit and fairly light skin compared to the local folks here, which matters yeah. in certain cultures. Yeah. Um, the people just like, the dudes just like stare at her when she walks by, but not in a creepy way, just in like, a, Oh my God kind of way. And, yeah, I wonder sometimes, like, because you do seem like a model here, if they're like, oh, like, how nice for him that he could afford that. (laughs) I'm like, you have no idea. (laughs) Cost me my job, my house. (laughs) My livelihood. It's fine. It's worth it. It's good. It's good. (laughs) Just jokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it has crossed my mind of like, do people recognize that we're a couple or do people think that I'm just really lucky? I mean, in Vietnam, it was very much like, like, oh, is that your girlfriend? Wow. You know? And then you'd be like, no, that's my wife. And you're like, whoa, your wife. Good job. And I'd be like, I know. <laughs> and then here, it's not even like, is that your girlfriend? It's just like, what What are you doing together? What, what? What's happening? What's happening here? I think they don't even really notice me, to be frank. I think they just see you and they're just like, wow. <laughs> that's very kind. Yeah. That's very kind. It is pretty unmistakable. Yeah. To be fair, it is just the capital city, and capital cities are always a bit weird, not a good representation of the country. Yes. There is clearly a lot of foreign direct investment here, which results in a lot of business people from a lot of different places congregating here, but also there is kind of this weird traveler's netherworld kind of vibe. I mean, you've got a lot of people who also, like yesterday we walked past this Canadian international school compound, you know, where it's like yeah, a bunch of people who are expats or who are just, you know, maybe just working here, like, have their kids go to school abroad in, like, this private school situation. And we actually walked past when all of the kids and, like, the adults and the teachers were... The kids were were getting out and the parents were picking them up. Yeah, and so many of those kids were picked up by nannies. Oh, really? Yeah. If you had seen, like, there'd be, like, you know, white kids, black kids... And they would have, like, a Cambodian nanny. No, I didn't That would just, like, you know, pick them up and, like, throw them in a tuk-tuk and then, like, get in with them. 
I hope that was their nanny. I fucking hope so too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> did, did not notice that we were witnessing child abductions. abductions. Yeah. Yeah. That was super interesting to like walk past this compound. Again, like in the area that seemed like the upside down. And see this weird little ecosystem. Although one of the ladies that came out, she was like a little bit older, maybe in like her 50s, like 40s, 50s, like white hair but like super short like really really fashionably cut Mm. and she just stood there and while she was waiting for her tuk-tuk she looked at me and I looked at her and I smiled and she smiled and she's just like hey and I was like okay that's that's a fucking Canadian right there you you actually initiated conversation yeah and I was like oh hi she looked at me and then she like looked at her phone for a second, like realized that the grab wasn't coming for a little while. This was while you were at the ATM. And then she like put her phone down and then like looked over at me again and she's like, Do you go here? And I was like, No, we're just traveling. And she's like, Oh, are you Canadian? And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, me too. And I was like, I know. I I know. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and then she got it her little tech tech. That's so cute. Yeah, it was Are super you Canadian? Cute. Yeah. yeah, I'm Canadian. Yeah. She's like, me too. I'm like, I-, I know. I know you are. You know what else is funny <laughs> about that? Everywhere we've gone, all the locals are like, what are you? Like, where are you from? Oh, to me? Yeah, yeah to you. And leave it to a Canadian to, for the first thing to come out of their mouth to be like, are you Canadian? You're Canadian, aren't yeah. you? Like, that was so nice. It actually Canadian. felt so good in my heart. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah. I mean, we were outside of this, like, like you say, massive Canadian international school, like K to twelve compound, private school, yeah. and most of the people there felt Canadian, which is funny because I would expect, like, just because it's a Canadian international school, I wouldn't expect for it to be populated by Canadian students or Canadian parents. I would expect for it just be like a Western school and all the Western people go there. Sure, yeah. But it did really feel distinctly Canadian. I'm it like, did. How is there a big enough Canadian expat? population here to support this like, yeah or like are all these kids just like slowly being indoctrinated to being canadian to <laughs> acting canadian it's strange to me actually how much canadian presence there is here because like the one of the banks we went to was called the canadia, national bank of, yeah well the national bank of canada yeah and the other one that we went to was the canadia bank yeah. which is not a word maybe if you're french i don't know I go to canadia 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 um <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Canadian influence here, Canadian cultural influence. Maybe we would be treated better if people knew we were Canadian. Yeah, I just want to wear a pin. Uh, Canada. I'm not British or American. Yeah. That's pretty, that would do it. Yeah, that would do it. Because I think that's those are like the two first guesses. But then they'll be like, oh, Australian. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Canadians really are a rarity in terms of these cultures, like... Everybody else really fucked it up for us. <laughs> and the building was, like, bright red and white. Yeah. Like, it was the most patriotic thing. Like, the most, like, I'm a Canadian building I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it looked like if a <laughs> Canadian Olympic jumpsuit was a building. Yeah. I guess that's pretty much it for now. Mm-hmm. We can... Oh, um, I do want to mention yeah. that uh, the Tuk Tuks here are awesome. They're super cheap compared to Grab Cars. They get in between places and they can, you know, go up sidewalks and all that kind of stuff like scooters can. 
And it's pretty much like a buck fifty to get anywhere in town. Pretty much, yeah. So it's pretty good. I, I really enjoy the little tuk-tuk service. This is the first place where it's been cheaper to use public transport than to rent a scooter. Yeah. Although renting a scooter does allow us a little bit more freedom. Yeah. But based on like how often we used it in Vietnam, I think we only ever really went to one or two places max a day. Yeah, and some days not even anywhere. Yeah. We just walk. Yeah. The tuk-tuks had been good here. Yeah. So what's next for us? Uh, more chillin' in Phnom Penh. And then we're off to Siem Reap for my birthday. More chillin'. Yeah, more chillin'. Hanging out, eating food, getting Go- groceries. Going maybe. to the gym in our building. Yeah, going to the gym in our building. <sighs> getting- maybe going to the killing fields. You know, casual things like that. <laughs> We're going to go to the gym. We're going to eat some good food. We're going to go to the Genocide Museum. Can you tell which thing is not like the other by the time I finish this song? The gym. Yeah. Physical activity. I want to get to the bottom of why everybody's investing so much in Phnom Penh. Yeah, there's a ton of investment. Yeah. They're all over. It, Vietnam, Korea, Canada, the States. But like, it's like we've seen examples of the Belt and Road Initiative too, like this massive industrial bridge that we drove over to cross this river to get into Phnom Penh and nothing else like that on the landscape as far as the eye could see. Just yeah. like this monolithic industrial bridge came out of nowhere and then learned that China's investing in the major causeways. Just I want to yeah. I want to understand what's strategically valuable about this region geopolitically. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's just for my nerd brain to nerd out on. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So thank you very much, everybody. We're not going to try to say goodbye in Khmer, which is the local language, because we're nowhere near even being able to read the characters. All I know is that you say thanks by saying Arkun. Is that right? Yeah, Arkun. Well, that's good enough to end on. Okay. Arkun. <laughs> sounds so angry, like a command. <laughs> Goodbye. Good day, sir. <laughs> good day, sir. You lose. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Arkun. Ah, <laughs> like... Bees, CBs, living colonies, buzzy MCs with a singer for emergencies. Cooperate to pollinate, never work alone, just don't bring a honey home to the honeycomb. Never work alone, just don't bring a honey home to the honeycomb.